This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay with us tonight. Coming up in the next segment, very special guest releasing a brand new book about North Dakota innovators and entrepreneurs. And some of the stories I think are going to absolutely shock you, but also make you very, very proud to be a North Dakota resident. So please stick around for that. All right, some big news announced earlier today. President Joe Biden saying that we're now going to have enough vaccine doses for COVID for every single American by the end of May. So well ahead of a timeline that he had announced earlier. So we'll keep you informed on how that rollout takes place. Now, speaking of COVID, many governors are not happy regarding the new COVID relief bill that passed the House recently because what they did is actually changed the formula on how states are going to get money's reimbursement. And the thing we want to look at tonight is, is government rewarding the wrong behaviors. I'm going to break this down for, for you and then share with you why it's so important right now that we are doing everything we can to support our great and courageous small business owners. So here's the latest on what's happening with this COVID relief situation. You had 22 governors um, oppose the way funds are now being allocated. I'm gonna read some of this for you to give you an idea of what I mean specifically. Important to note, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum did sign off on this. Minnesota Governor Tim Walls, at least as of the latest that I know, has not. But here's what they say. They say, unlike all previous federal funding packages, the new stimulus proposal allocates aid based on a state's unemployed population rather than its actual population, which then punishes states that took a measured approach to the pandemic and entered the crisis with healthy state budgets and strong economies. Now, some of you could say, well, hey, Chris, if they shut down their states, that had a higher unemployment rate. So clearly they were doing a great job in saving lives from COVID. So if that was the case, I think you and I could probably appreciate that. But I'm going to break down these numbers for you and share with you specifically what this means for some states on this new distribution formula, if you will, and then show you the death rates in some of these states. And let's just say it's pretty stunning. So here's the latest on this. And again, I mentioned before, Minnesota Governor Tim Wallace has not signed off on this letter opposing this new formula. But according to this data here, this is from the U.S. Uh, House Budget GOP. Minnesota stands to lose $805 million based on what they were, you know, the unemployment factor and how these allocations are going to work out. Now, let's look at some other states that are going to get a ton of federal money because they've had higher unemployment rates. You can see here Massachusetts, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, New Jersey, New York, California. So here's why I want to bring this up because Again, if New York, New Jersey did a great job on saving lives from COVID, then OK, I think we'd say, all right, we can understand. We can appreciate that. But let me share with you the latest data. Here's as of March 1st, 2021. Hopefully you can see this OK, but I'll read it for you as well. New Jersey, highest death rate. New York, number two. I mentioned Massachusetts a moment ago, right? Um, Arizona. So California is not in that top list, but you know, they're fairly high up, if you will. So are we rewarding the wrong behaviors if you look at it from that unemployment formula that is now being utilized? Now, again, this hasn't been signed off on the president yet, but I want to make you aware of this because in Minnesota, maybe you want to reach out to Governor Wallace and say, hey, please sign on to this letter and say, no, we don't want that kind of distribution formula if it's going to hurt Minnesota the way it has. Speaking of Minnesota, also speaking about um, helping out our small businesses. You may remember a while back, 
uh, we had Pat Kovash on from Kovash Marine saying that right now in Minnesota, based on the current law, the PPP loans that many small businesses utilize, that could be taxed. And that would be a huge, huge impediment for many small business owners out there. They thought the vote was going to be this week. I talked to Senator Ken Eakin earlier today. The vote now is going to be next week. I want to bring this up for you uh, for two reasons. Number one, Senator Ken Eakin said, hey, Chris, I'm going to vote so that this does not get taxed. So first off, that's where Senator Kent Eakin is at. In fact, he shared, um, I had Pat Kobosh share this email with me that went to the Moorhead Business Association. But Senator Kent Eakin said, hey, guys, I appreciate what you do. I strongly agree these funds should not be taxed. I also agree that time is of the essence on this issue. I bring this up to you because, yes, time is of the essence. You've got an opportunity right now to reach out to your local legislators as well, whether it's in the House, the Senate, tell them if this is where you are, but tell them how you feel about Minnesota potentially taxing these PPP loans. They were supposed to be forgiven. If you missed my interview with Pat Kobosh, please go back and watch it. He said, Chris, I kept people on board here, kept paying them because I assumed that my PPP loan was going to be forgiven because that's what I was told. Now Minnesota potentially could tax it, would be a large tax bill for a lot of small business owners. So wherever you stand on that, please share your point of view. Uh, with your local legislators regarding the PPP loans. As I mentioned a moment ago, you may want to reach out to Governor Walls' office as well and say, hey, Governor Walls, please sign on to this letter about the way these allocation or these funds are going to be allocated due to this new COVID uh, stimulus relief package that passed in the House. So we'll let me know your thoughts on that, on this, uh, the way things are being allocated and what we can do, obviously, to support are great small businesses. Please share your point of view with us. And then earlier today, I had a great opportunity to sit down and visit with West Fargo City Commissioner Mandy George about some things that happened in the West Fargo City Commission meeting last night. Joining us now, West Fargo City Commissioner Mandy George. Commissioner George, great to have you here on Point of View. I want to jump right in and really say thank you for posting on Facebook. You kind of did a brief debrief, excuse me, of, of what happened in the meeting last night at West Fargo. And I think people appreciate it. You're like, hey, four hours. A few things I want to touch on with you is first off, special assessments. Nobody likes specials. Tell us what had happened in last night's meeting with special assessments. Absolutely. It is such a hot topic here in West Fargo. So many of our residents hate specials and most people agree infrastructure does need to be paid for and people are okay with paying their share of the infrastructure costs but to make that as fair as possible is really the issue and really what we're trying to get to um, myself and commissioner jurdevig have sat down together and have been brainstorming some ideas to try and at least make the process more fair if we currently still have to continue to use them so we came up with three ideas that we brought up last night and so two of them i presented on um the first one was as far as major road road projects. So there's certain neighborhoods in town that get hit harder than others. So for instance, Charleswood, they get hit with Cheyenne Street, with 9th Street, 13th Avenue, and the roads in front of their house, where the neighborhoods to the east or west really only have to pay for one of those major roads. So um, my motion was to direct staff to come up with kind of a matrix or a better plan so that certain neighborhoods wouldn't be hit unfairly, um, you know, so they wouldn't get stuck paying more than other neighborhoods. So to just try and keep that 
fair across the board. So that was the first one that did pass um, on a four, four to zero vote. Vote. We only had four of us there last night. Um, the other motion um, that I made was as far as our process. We had a lot. We have had a lot of issues since I've been in on people not being aware of, um, you know, how much this is going to cost them or the projects that are happening, and they don't really know until the end of the project when they get the bill. But really, it's kind of too late at that point to do much about it because the project's done. It has to get paid for. So my proposal was to direct staff to have the special assessment committee meet at the beginning of the project so that the price could get divvied out at the beginning. People could see what it's going to cost them and there would be more transparency so they have an opportunity at the beginning of the process to protest or to speak up or to say something or give their opinion versus at the end where there's not a whole lot that can be done. It's very frustrating for a lot of people. So did that um, pass? That did pass. So, yep, so that passed yeah. also on a four to zero vote. So staff will start working on that as well. So I think that will really be a, an improvement to the process. And again, I know everybody hates specials, but it is the system that we're currently using. So let's just make it as good as possible, I guess. So let me ask you this, and I don't know if you have the answer to this. I'm not an attorney, but I mean, when you tell me, hey, Chris, we were levying specials, without letting anybody know what the costs were going to be. And all of a sudden we, we did it. We finished, my understanding is what you said, we finished the project and said, Hey, here's the bill that, that sounds to me like taxation without representation. Was that, was that even legal? What, what y'all were doing? Do you know, or. So the information has gotten out there, you know, they'll, they'll publish it in the paper, you know, or on the website, but if you're not paying attention, if you're not, you know, combing through the paper uh, with a fine tooth comb, you're probably not going to see it. You're going to miss it. You might not know about it. But legally, we do have to get that information okay. out there. So. But you just you just weren't giving it to the homeowners who ended up paying for it directly. Is that a fair assessment on my part? Um, I mean, but, yes and no. I mean, the information yeah. it's, it's out there, but it's unless you're looking for it, it's you don't necessarily. But, but my, it wasn't like you were sending me a letter going, "Hey, Chris, guess what? We're about to levy a special on your house for X oh, amount." You weren't you weren't right. doing that. Correct. No, we're not. We weren't doing that. So no, that kind of happens at the end of the project. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you guys changed that. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that I think jumped out a lot of people here, and this is from your post, was the fact that a uh, motion was made to annex the fairgrounds, Bonanzaville. Like, walk us yeah. through what's going on there. Okay, so this is an idea that Commissioner Jurdeveg brought um, up. And when we were talking about it, I think he's he's right because you've got 400 acres out there um, that is not paying their fair share of you know specials and taxes. And a lot of people think that those are part of the city, but they're not. They're they're not part of West Fargo, so they don't pay specials and taxes the same as the residents do. So our goal, we don't want to put you know the fair or Bonanzaville or the campground. We don't want to put them out of business. That's certainly not the goal. But we do think that they should be paying their portion of specials. So what happens is since they're not, the surrounding neighborhoods end up paying as much as 30% higher than they would have if the fairground is paying their fair share of their taxes. So the, the revenue generated is going to be about the same? Or do you have any idea how much tax or specials you expect you anticipate to get from Bonanzaville, so, the fairgrounds? Yeah. So with, with, for instance, now we did, we did that main Avenue project and um, you know, that was a pretty expensive project and you know, Bonanzaville, the fairgrounds, they didn't have to pay for that yet. They use it. And so, you know, there aren't necessarily any major projects coming up. Um, but if there were, then those costs associated with those projects would be further divided out amongst the larger entities as well. And that, they wouldn't get to essentially use it for free. Got it. All right. Very interesting. Do you have any idea when that's going to start happening? 
Well, we staff um, will have to start working on it because the motion did pass four to zero that um, so staff will be directed to start that project. And it, right now, I mean, it's more of a conversation than anything. Um, it's, it's not it's obviously not a done deal. The annexation isn't happening. It's just we're going to be looking into it, researching, talking to those individuals. We also, you know, there's ordinance issues as far as having the animals in town and the buildings and, and the concerts and, you know, the racetrack and all that. So there's issues there that need to be solved. But we had to all be open to giving them a conditional use permit to continue that. I would presume the people in that neighborhood, as you just mentioned, if they're paying 30% more, they're probably going to be very happy if you end up getting this figured. All right. I've got to ask you about this because, as you know, uh, Commissioner Garrigan Fargo was trying to get rid of the 100-foot rule. He had uh, brought your name into a recent um, liquor board meeting. I want to play for you a little bit about what he said and then give you a chance to respond. I posted an article about this on Facebook, and Mandy George, a commissioner in West Fargo, replied, let the Commission and Liquor Control Board keep voting this stuff down and let West Fargo continue to benefit. So they're laughing at us, really. I guess two things. One, are you laughing at us? And, and just your reaction to that. Well, for instance, um, Costco. One mm -hmm. of the reasons Costco went to West Fargo versus Fargo is because we allow them to sell liquor right in the store, where Fargo's um, you know, Liquor Control Board doesn't allow them to do, to do that. And there's some other businesses that are looking at coming to the area that um, may choose to go to West Fargo instead of Fargo for that very reason. So that's why. Can you, can you can you give us any hints as to what those businesses might be? I wish I could. I swore <laughs> to secrecy on one of them specifically. I wish I could say though. Uh, all right. Last question. Anything else people in West Fargo should be focused on looking at towards the future that we should be aware of? There, there is something I want to bring up real quick that we did talk about last night, and that is it's it's a remodel incentive on your home or business, and most people do not know about this. But it's something that I support because um, I don't like to see properties get run down or blighted. So if you're looking at doing a major remodel or expansion, there are tax incentives available in that. And we did start a board. We're going to revitalize that whole process. But just keep that in mind. Great stuff. Commissioner Mandy George out of West Fargo, we appreciate the insight and the time. We look forward to having you back. Thank you so much, Chris. I, Chris, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, stay with us. we got a lot more coming up here on Point of View. As always, we love to hear from you. Very easy to share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.